Happy New Year. And I said that last week, and I said in our newsletter, it's a bit cliche. And uh, it is. It's a, it's, it's a well-meaning thing, is what we say, and, and we mean it as well. But I kind of thought about it and thought, you know, we can just roll over into the new year and keep doing the same old, same old. And really, what we want to kind of introduce this morning to you is just we want to be a people of his presence. And I was thinking there this morning as we were worshipping, and, and, you know, it's interesting, we, we, we don't kind of say, oh, how many songs are you doing and all that. We just don't have that conversation. We just trust the guys that lead us so brilliantly each week. And there was that lull time, and I was like, is that the end? Or are we going to do another song? And then another song came. I was like, goodness, she's pushing her luck this morning. <laughs> time, time's getting on. I have less teaching time here. And, and I just thought in that moment, it's just like, this is who we are. You know, the, that's not the warm-up act for the sermon. That's not the pause the oeuvre, <laughs> Dale Boyne. That, that's, that's, that's the main course. We've just had the main course. This is just a dessert. Okay, you know, we're a people of his presence. And we, we push into his presence. And unless we have his presence, we may as well shut up shop. What Moses says, unless your presence goes with us, do not send us from here. And that's who we are. We want to uh, take some time over the next number of weeks and really uh, remind ourselves of who we are, what, what we're meant for, why we're made, and what are we contesting for. Uh, this is just a little bit, and then Chantel's going to say something. I don't know about you, I felt in the last, I don't know, season, I, I'm not going to define that by time, but the last season or so, for me personally, in terms of the way we were leading, in terms of the way what God was doing, uh, in amongst us and through us, I, I personally felt like we'd kind of plateaued a little. Now, for some of you, you're new. You're like, man, what's he going on about? It's my first week here. This is going to make no sense to you whatsoever. And it's probably going to make more sense to those of you who've been around a bit. And I kind of just felt like, man, we just kind of, we kind of hit like a flat kind of spot. And we kind of pitched our tents. And, and I kind of just feel like this new season, we need to pack the tents away because we're climbing higher. Right, And we're, we're, we're on this journey, and it's important that those of us who've been around a bit remind ourselves who we are and where we're going. Because we're not staying. We're never going to stay. We're always going because the Holy Spirit is always in the mood for new things. He's always in the business of, of establishing Jesus' kingdom here on earth. Those of, you, those of you who are new or nearly new, you're checking us out. I think this next season is going to be really helpful for you if you're considering this as the people of God to journey together with. Chance has got some really exciting stuff or some insightful stuff, I think, that conveys perhaps a bit better than what I'm trying to say. Yes, I can.
Sorry, this is awkward. Yeah, we'll sign up for the next marriage course. <laughs> right. Um, I was kind of thinking about all, the, all that, what Paul's just said um, over the last few weeks, and I've had a bit more time to think since I've been on the sofa. And I started reading this book. It's called Dirty Glory by Pete Gregg. Um, it's fantastic if anyone wants to read it. But it there was a bit in it and it just totally leapt out at me and resonated of what we're thinking and feeling. So I just really wanted to share it with you. Um, if you don't know Pete Gregg, um, he's the guy who started pioneering 24-7 prayer. And God gave him a really big vision, which um, has now been put to music and everything. And you can see online of an army of people like dry bones become flesh, willing to risk everything for the kingdom to lay it all down, um, and it's an amazing vision. So um, him and his wife and other people were pioneering 24-7, and his wife got really ill. She had um, a brain tumor, and she was suffering from very severe epilepsy. So that went on for a while, and I hadn't known this, but when I read this book, I found out that for a season, they actually moved to Kansas City in the USA and did some work on 24-7 while they were there. But um, they lived at the top of a street, um, and I, I should have had time to get a map because, you know, we always have to have a map, but I didn't. But they lived at the top of a street and near a cemetery, which was dating back to the days of the Wild West. And in the 1800s, pioneers migrated that way through where they were living on their way to Santa Fe in New Mexico, where they were searching for treasure, like for gold, um, for cattle and stuff like that. And the place that they lived at the top of their road was nicknamed Blue Camp 20. And like Paul said, it was a camp, it was a, t a temporary settlement, talking about pitch and tents near a blue river. Um, 20 miles from Independence, the town of Independence, where the Santa Fe Trail began. And that Blue Camp 20 was the first stop on the way from somewhere where all those people were going from to this kind of Wild West promised place. And it was actually 700 miles from this Blue Camp to Santa Fe. And they would have had to have gone through deserts, mountains, um, traversing treacherous Apache territory to get there. So you can imagine some of the old pioneers reached Blue Camp 20 and they just stopped there. They stopped pioneering. They thought, well, I, I don't have the energy to go on to this promised land where there's gold and, or whatever. They settled, they set up businesses, they served the people who were passing through and they didn't want to risk what was ahead. And what they created was called, they named it imaginatively Little Santa Fe. And this is um, what really jumped out when I read it. And this is what Pete Gregg said. Slowly it dawned on me that Blue Camp 20 was a parable, a picture, a prophecy for my own life. We come across 4,000 miles through years of prayer into so many nations driven by a very big vision, our very own Santa Fe. We had always been certain that if we would just pray hard enough and obey radically enough, eventually we'd see the kingdom come. But so many of the friends with whom we had pioneered this far dreaming of glory had been slowing down lately. 
They seem to be getting sensible, finding their own equivalents of this frontier camp, settling for a smaller version of the vision that had once fired their souls. And he'd always had a thirst for adventure and, and hungered for more. But he said, it had been the craziest five years imaginable. It had been heaven, but it had sometimes also hurt like hell. And I simply wasn't sure I could face any more pioneering. Prayer had spread all over the world, but my wife had nearly died too many times. We had no money and I was deep bone tired. Surely the 27 prayer movement could continue without us. So his temptation was to settle there, you know, to just stay in America and just have a good life there. But he just really felt like God was calling him to pioneer again. And something in that really resonated with me of the season we're in. You know, Paul and I really wanted to plant a church for a long time. And then the right time came and God said yes. And he said Carrick Fergus. And we've got I love this church. Like, look around. We've got a great church. We had our annual appreciation night on Friday and looking around, seeing all the people he serve and give, it just blew my mind that from 12 people six years ago, this is where we are. But I think we could just say, oh, that's great. You know, we've got a good church. Let's just carry on. But I think God's calling us to take it to a new stage, like Paul said, a new stage of development. We're not called to settle. We're not called to set up camp. We're called to push on. You know, Pete's dream was an army of people laying everything down. Our dream was to see our town and community transformed by the kingdom of God, not just to have a nice church. You know, planting the church was like digging the foundations. But now we need to pioneer again. Now we need to push on. And whenever I shared this with the leadership team the other night, Steve reminded us of one time early on, we were with some of the other vineyard um, people in Belfast and Alan, our friend from Causeway, prayed over us. And he used this phrase, it was like a newspaper report. He was like, have you heard about the church where people get set free from addiction? Have you heard about the church where marriages are restored? Have you heard about the church that reaches out with compassion into their community? And that's what we want. We want to reach and push for more. And Paul stole my verse. You know, this isn't just about what we're going to achieve. This is about us, about God changing us. If your presence doesn't go from us, with us, do not send us from here. We need to encounter Jesus. And Blue Camp 20 is not just about pioneering and going on. Blue Camp 20 is about encounter. It's perfectly possible, Pete Gregg says, to settle for our current level of spiritual experience. But we are given the opportunity to strike out again into the wilderness, seeking a deeper place of relationship than ever before. Yes, we're doing this because we want to see our community change, but ultimately we're doing this because we want to encounter Jesus and we want to see other people encounter Jesus. And I read this other thing. I just want to finish with this for my part. This is a lady who's um, just living missionally in a community in North Carolina. We've all been given platforms to wield for the good of our communities and for the glory of Jesus. Your platform might be found in front of the classroom or as a barista in a coffee shop or serving as a hospice nurse. Or maybe your platform is your front porch, I suppose we would say, our neighborhood, our family. I don't know, I just know that you have one. And it's up to you to steward it in the name of Jesus.
God's not just called us to pioneer. He's called every one of you with your bum on the seat here to pioneer. Pioneer in your own life where God's called you to, where you are, whatever that looks like. And he's calling us to pioneer as a church um, to see his kingdom come. I was reminded of that song, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders and take me deeper than my feet would ever wander. And as we enter into this next season, that's my prayer, that God will take us deeper than our feet would ever wander. Thanks. So this next season, this next number of weeks, we're going to remind ourselves, and for some of you, you're new, you're going to know who we are, what we're made for, what we're meant for. And it's not just a reminder of the old things, but I think through this season, Jesus is going to speak specifically to individuals and to us as a church as to what the new thing is. And th th hear, me, hear me correctly there. We're not about to change like massively at all. We're not, it's not about, oh, next week we're going to do this and next week we're going to do that. The, the core of who we are, that's what we call our values, don't change. That's the foundation in which we stand upon. But it's everything that God's called us to today, tomorrow, and next week. He is leading us. And what we want to do this morning is for you guys is to say, well, what's my role? Where do I fit in all this? What's, what's uh, the, the unique thing that God has for me? We're in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4. This is one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible, one of the most favorite passages, really, of the Bible as well. Uh, we're in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And uh, if you're like me, at this point you switch off, uh, switch on, and try and kind of read the words as we read together. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Some context, Paul is writing to the church. This is part of a letter that he is writing or wrote to the church of Ephesus. It is the church which he planted. It is the church that he visited again and spent three years with. It is a church that he had a massive vested interest in. It was a strategic church in the geography of the landscape of that area. It was important that this church got it right. And the major theme of this letter, the major drive of this letter was 
to preserve unity and reconciliation amongst the people. There was a sense of kind of division between the Jews that were becoming Christians and the Gentiles who were already there. And there was a slight separation between Jew and Gentile, even though they were one. And so you will notice if you read throughout the whole of the book that Paul used lots of kind of together language. He says this, uh, made alive together, raised up together, sitting together, built together. He also uses the word one, which obviously encapsulates the word unity, uh, indicating one new man, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. In a nutshell, this letter was written to the church about the church. And this one particular passage, which we're going to briefly just unpack and hopefully make relevant to us today, begins with uh, Jesus, first of all, appointing five gifts. They're known as the serving gifts. There are four passages, four main passages in the New Testament, which outline and list what we know as spiritual gifts. And this is one of them. And this is known as the serving gifts. They are the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You may well have heard the term the fivefold ministry, which someone somewhere dreamt up and kind of added to. But these are the gifts which are apportioned to individuals within the body of Christ to serve the church, to serve the people of the church. Why? It is to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so often the apostles and the teachers and the evangelists, they tend to be the leaders of a church. They're the ones who God has so gifted uniquely in order to equip the people for service. And it's the passage where John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Church, coined the phrase, equip the saints and which is believed to have been uh, etched onto his tombstone when he died and was buried, that he would equip the saints. And therefore, it is the role of those within the church that we are entrusted under God's authority uh, and trust to equip you guys to do the work. So, it completely flips this belief that the paid minister does all the work and you lot just sit there and do nothing. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that wonderful? So we just tell you what to do and you just get on and do it. With a lead servant within the body of Christ, serving you, equipping you, telling you how to do it, modeling, showing the way so that you do the stuff. What do we say? Everyone, everyone gets to play. Everyone has a, a role within the body of Christ. Becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth. Paul's heart for the people of Ephesus was maturity. It was to grow up in every way that the word means, that we would grow up the whole measure, the fullness of Christ, not being swayed by others' teaching, but knowing the truth. This year, I'm going to be 44 years of age. 
And I reckon, even if I get a good innings, I've probably had my half-time oranges and I'm probably just about kicked off in the second half. That's what I reckon I am, if I get a good innings, that is. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking to be mature, to be all that God has for me, not deterred by what the enemy whispers into my ears and lies about who I am, but looking to the Father and really trusting wholeheartedly in who I really am, to get over the pain of the past, of things that have happened, and stepping into everything that he has. I want to live a full life. I do not want to get to the end of my life and go, I blew it. I missed it. I did all right, but I let fear stop me from doing what you made me to do. I let complacency just kind of creep in. I let being kind of responsible and having a family and a mortgage to pay stop me from doing the things I was meant to do. I, I let the pain and the baggage of everything that stop me from actually doing what God had meant for me. It's time for all of us to mature, to become, to be who he made us to be. One of the ways that we get to do that is we speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ who is at the head, that is Christ. I say this next number of things with great respect and honor and love for you all. We need to speak the truth in love to one another. Why? Because it's unloving not to. And even though we live in a country and a people that we don't like to rock the boat and we keep our thoughts to ourselves, in fact, worse than that, what we sometimes do is we talk about people behind their backs. We need to say it with great love and respect towards one another where we see blind spots, where we think, see things that aren't just quite right. Why? Because that is loving. Why? So that the person receiving has the opportunity to mature and become the person they were meant for. Uh, I was gonna show a video or a picture, but then I thought it's a bit risque. It's from the film Cool Runnings. And those of you who've seen it and you know it, it's a scene where basically the film is about the, the Jamaican bobsleigh team. If you've never seen it, it's a lot of fun. A number of years ago, it was out there. And there's this scene between two of the runners. One is Yul Brynner, who's, the, who's the, the black guy with the shaved head, and he's the big, tough guy. And then there's Wee Jr., who's the, the, the kind of nice boy from the nice home, and he's controlled very much by his father, and uh, he's just a bit of a, he's a bit shy, and I, get, I guess a little bit wimpish. And there's this scene where Yul Brynner takes Junior aside, and he makes him look at a mirror. And he tells him, he tells these words, he says, this is what I, said. look in the mirror and tell me what you see. And he's like, oh, well, I don't know, I don't know. And he says, this is what I see. And he says a number of things. 
which a couple of them are a bit dodgy to repeat in church. So, but through it, he begins to call out who he is. And Junior turns around and goes, what, you really see that in me? He's like, yes, I do. This is who you are. This is what you're made for. This is what you're meant for. And I look out and I see that in you. And you do the same with each other. You think, boy, you are made for more. You are made for significance. And you are allowing whatever it is to stop you entering in the fullness. And therefore, we are called to speak the truth in love with one another so that we might mature, that we might be built up. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Friday night was uh, one of the best nights of the year in the couple of weeks that we've had of the year. We had our annual appreciation event uh, down at the bowling club and uh, there were about 75 of us there. And I tell you, we just came, we were buzzing. We just loved that night. It was just such great fun. We ate together, we drank together, we did some awards. It was just a great, great evening. And there were a number of folks that couldn't be there for one or two really, really good reasons. And, uh, and I just thought, you know what? The majority of our church needs to be there next year. And if you're not involved regularly, serving, giving of your time, giving of your energy, and it's not just on a Sunday, it's not just being on a team on a Sunday, we're talking about life groups, we're talking about our compassion ministries, talking about stuff throughout the week, we would encourage you, urge you to be part of the team. as each person does its work. One of the things, I said this on Friday, I'm gonna say it again, one of the things that we love the most is seeing you come alive as you step into the things God's made you for. It's releasing, releasing, encouraging, seeing what God's on you for and pushing that the right direction. This is not a big plea to I'll sign up, we're really desperate on the such and such team. Or we need, That's not what it's about. We just know that as you roll up your sleeves and you begin to give of yourself, that you come alive and you grow and you develop and you begin to do the things that God has made you for. I'm running really badly out of time and I've just realized I've got like four minutes to do this next bit. So it's going to have to be really quick and I'm gonna have to skip all that stuff. What I would like us to do in the very short time that we have left is what's called a self-assessment. Those of you who are in the teaching in, uh, thing, you're already going, oh my goodness, I've had enough of that stuff. It's like an MOT, we're about to do an MOT. Um, years ago, a book was written and it was, it was about the practices that we would love individual people of 
at all our vineyard churches to be able to do. They're like disciplines. They're like things that we get to do and that we get to grow in. And I'm going to read out a number of things. And I would like you to assess yourself uh, in this whole area. And I've got the clicker, apparently. There we go. And so instead of A, B, C, D, or one, two, three, four, this is the assessment criteria, which you're going to assess yourself on. Um, could teach others would be your A grade, I guess. Through to progressing nicely, taking first steps, or not on the page yet. Okay, so I hope that's okay and that's not offending anyone too much. And uh, there are a number of different things that we would like, we're calling their basic vineyard practices. They fall under uh, those categories of uh, prayer skills, marriage and family skills, general ministry skills. And I'm going to read out, or you're going to see a number of things. And I'd like you just to be really honest and use that kind of assessment criteria. If you think, you know, yeah, I'm flying here, you could teach others, you could actually model that and share others, that's you. Progressing nicely, taking first steps, not on the page yet. So here's the first lot. Our prayer skills. We'd love you, each of you, as individuals, to be able to pray in these ways. The prayer of praise, of petition, intercession, tongues, and the prayer of faith. All these different ways of being able to pray that we would love each and every person who's a vineyarder to be able to do these things for yourself and have a look at those and kind of go, goodness, that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. And beneath what I've done there is I've just highlighted some areas where you can go to to grow. So this coming term, uh, we have a prayer course on Tuesday nights, which Terry and Kathy Cavan will be leading in their home. You could sign up and be a part of that. Ian Hutchinson um, gets some of the guys together on a regular basis, and they pray together. You want to go and speak to him. Sunday before church, we pray together always for the service. That's not an exclusive bunch of people. That's open to anyone that would like to join us and pray with us. Our next one are our family and marriage skills. We would love each person that is in a married relationship to be, uh, to be growing and developing the whole area of intimacy, of communication, and if uh, God's blessed you in that way to have children in the whole area of child rearing. We've our financial planning and life management, and again, underneath it, you'll see opportunities and ways in which the church uh, can actually serve and be a part of that, that you can grow and that you can develop in. Our next one is uh, general communication skills. We'd love you to be able to uh, grow in the whole area of witnessing and counsel and the ability to teach. And I realize that I've invited these guys to come and speak and we're already over time. I'm really sorry, but we'll do that next week. Um, and you'll hear a lot more about that. You don't want to miss that. Uh, we're on to the next one, which is uh, ministry for the Lord in worship, in service, in giving, in personal Bible study, Sunday and every Sunday and every day of the week we get to do that. Ministry to the body, giving and receiving forgiveness, laying on of hands, exercise and spiritual gifts, fellowship and healing the sick. They are all things that we want you to be able to do. You know, the laying on of hands and healing the sick. If you love Jesus, 
you are qualified to do those things. And yet, I kind of feel sometimes that there could be this thinking that it's just the holy Joes. It's the ones who, oh, they seem to be really spiritual. They get to do that stuff. That's a load of nonsense. Yes, there are some things to grow and learn and develop in that. But if you love Jesus and you have a hand, you can put it on the person's shoulder and, and bless and, and encourage what God can do. We often disqualify ourselves for all kinds of reasons. Ministry to the world, care for the poor, the lost and the sick. Again, these are all things that we should be able to do and we can do to all kinds of different ways through our compassion ministries. Where do you wanna be? Where do you wanna go? I would encourage you, this beginning of this new year, is take a look at those there and think of one thing, two things, two er an area where you wanna grow in. If you don't, you're just gonna meander on just the same as 2016. It's up to you. I'm pretty blunt right now, right? It's up to you. You can choose one of these things or something else and choose to commit to growing to that. Our life groups, you're gonna get an email in about 13 minutes time. It will go into your inbox and it has listed all of the life groups that are gonna be run in this term. And we would urge everyone, if you are a part of this church, to be a part of a life group, to journey together, to commit together, to sharing your life with each other and growing together and developing in some way any of these things that we've just quickly flashed up onto the screen. I'm coming into the land. I um, had the privilege of being at two funerals these last couple of weeks. Uh, one uh, was Ian Morrison's mummy and uh, the other one was, was Victor's mummy. Both uh, were in their 80s and uh, neither of them I knew and uh, the privilege of being in those places and being in those special times together was hearing the tributes that were spoken of from the front about these people. And even though I didn't know uh, the ladies who passed away and are both now with Jesus forever and ever, even though I was unaware, through the tributes, it became really clear two things. One is both of these women wholeheartedly love Jesus and wholeheartedly committed their entire lives to loving him and serving him. And it was clear that not only were they words spoken, but secondly, because of the legacy that they lived behind. For both families, that children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren are following and worshiping Jesus. And I want to get to full time having being able to say the same thing, of being able to say, I live a full life, and I did, and I was faithful with the talents, with the gold coins that God gave me. And I encourage you with all I can that you would feel the same and that you would not allow all the things that stop what God has called you individually for. 
as we do this together, as we're joined together by every supporting ligament, we each get to play. And as we do it, three words, we are a hospital called to serve and care for each other. Yes, we have pain. Yes, there are difficult circumstances. Yes, we are a school where we get equipped and where we get educated, where we get trained up. But guys, we are an army. And God has called us together to take ground where the evil one has taken ground. We are the people of God called to transform culture and society around us. We do it in his power, in his strength, and his leading, but we do it together. Amen. And we're already over time, and I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, we, uh, I want to pray. This is, this is, before we pray, sorry. At the end, if you'd like prayer for anything, please come. That is who we are. Ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. Please come afterwards. As you go, it is your choice what you do. And that's the ministry. Jesus, thank you. for the body of Christ. That you call us to be together, to love one another, to care for one another. We thank you that you have equipped us by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have gifted us uniquely, each one of us, in different ways. We thank you that you have been generous and you have supplied us with our needs. And we take that which you have given us and called us to serve you with. We love to worship with our voices and with our songs but we present to you our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, that we place upon the altar. And so as we go from here, God, we are the hands and the feet of you, Jesus, to a broken, hurting world.